Lord, I just pray as we, uh, as we transition the service into just uh, into me sharing what I, I feel your heart is for us today. Lord, I pray that you would give us ease to hear uh, what your spirit is saying. And more importantly, Lord, as importantly, Lord, we would just feel and hear your voice that calls us to come to be with you. Uh, that we would lay aside our own preconceptions and misconceptions, uh, our wrong views of you. And that in the midst of today, throughout this service, Lord, that we will just experience you in all your glory and your goodness. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so I am up to week three. Can I have my glasses, please? Yeah. Thank you. Wayne, don't you start heckling me either, okay? All right. So week three in a series of titled, what's the title called? Where we're exploring the possibilities of why do some people walk away from their faith? Why do people walk away from church? Or why do people walk away from religion? And, and the premise of this whole series is that could it be that some people have an image of God or a way to relate to God that doesn't turn out the way they expect? Could it be that they expect their relationship with God to look something like this image here? They're, uh, they've got a, a, like a postcard of God, a postcard of, a, of this is what Christianity has looked like, perfect time for your slight change there. Um, could it be that, that we view Christianity looks like this, but then life comes, and situations come, and circumstances come, and, and instead of it, we have a vision that God looks like this, should look like this, but instead it looks a bit like this. And we're thinking, well, hang on a sec, this is not what I signed up for. This is not the Christianity I put my hand up for, or the, or the altar call I responded. When I, when I did that, I expected, I expected the first picture, not the second picture. Because when we experience the second picture, it's very easy to get disappointed, disillusioned, and perhaps even to walk away. Uh, a book that I've encouraged, did we get some copies this week, Hez? Did they write? I have to write. We have, was that a yes or a no? No. Excellent. And so we have ordered some that will be available from our office. If you wanted to grab a copy of the, um, we've got a handful of copies. Uh, it's called With, and it's a book that really challenges how we view God. And so um, in the book, Sky Jathani, who's the author, he identifies four different postures or ways that people can relate to God. We've, uh, you can relate to a life under God, a life over God, or for God, or from God. Now with the life under God, we talked about that in week one, most religions teach us that in order to, that in order to get what we want from life, that we can use God to achieve what we desire. So they say if you obey more, do more, sacrifice more, if you, if you work harder, try harder by obeying the commandments or commands that God will bless us and that God will be on our side. The idea in the first posture is that we use God, to, we want God to control our lives and our world and we try to do what we can according to the rules and regulations that he gives, thinking that will shape our world. That's life under God. Uh, the second one we talked about last week was life over God. And we saw how the world fundamentally shifted out of, after the, the 1600s and the Enlightenment period, where God and faith were no longer the center of human existence. It was replaced by science and natural law, where the universe is like a machine. 
We simply need to understand the laws of the universe, understand gravity and thermodynamics and, and the speed of light and, and, and all those sciences. If we can understand how the universe works, well, then we can live by those principles and the laws that shape it. And if we can work within those things and, and those natural laws, then we can have some control over our life. We, because we've removed God from the center and put science there, we, we, we try to control our world by controlling the natural laws. In addition, that uh, people also think there are moral laws attached to that. If you live a good life, and I know so many good people who live good lives, they are, they are probably more generous than, than, than many people I know. They, they, they give, they, they serve, they, they love people, they help people, they work on the streets. There's a lot of good people with good, with good hearts who just don't know Jesus. And so that's, that's the life uh, over God, where you're living a life that is devoid of God, a life where he says, you know, I can, I can live a good life, good principles, do the right thing, and my life will go well. I can control my life by living good principles. And so even as Christians, that we can view God as the source of all the practical help that we need and advice. But we miss something. We miss God himself. Today we are doing life from God, and next week we're going to do life for God. And ultimately the whole purpose of these messages is to show us that all of those postures have some part to play in our approach to God. Like for example, we do come to God. He is the source of every good thing. But ultimately we want to make sure that we experience what it's like, life is like with God. And so let's go back to, uh, let's go back to the Garden of Eden. Uh, Genesis chapter 1 verse 27. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God he created them. Male and female he created them. Here we see that we are created in God's image and likeness. Sometimes we get this the wrong way around. Can you imagine what would happen if God was like you? Is that a scary thought? Who's seen the movie um, Bruce Almighty? Uh, Jim Carrey, who's the, the actor, he, he, for one week he is given the ability to be God in his little, in his little part of New York that he lived. And he, and he creates all sorts of mess and chaos. What would life be like if God looked like you? I think the world would be a much worse place if God looked like us, if God was shaped like, if God thinks like we think, or behaves like we behave, or acts like we act. Rather, I think we are created to think, believe, and behave like God. The first two postures we talked about highlights the challenges of living a life under God and trying to live a life over God. They're both trying to shape God. They're both trying to get the best outcomes for our life. But I think there's something else in that, that under God, over God, there's something else that affects our expectations of how we view God. Can you remember the apple that I showed you last week? Okay. In, in pre-enlightenment, we find that at the, if you've got the universe and, and slice the universe down the middle, before 1600, God and faith were seen at the centre of our existence. We, and so the, the, the whole human, certainly the Western human, Western human thinking, had gotten faith at the centre. Then come the Enlightenment, where science was put in the centre, and uh, God was removed, science was replaced, 
And then we come to today's world where something I believe is more, more sinister at the center. It's not, it's not God or faith. It's not science. But it's ourselves. It's me. It's you. Where, where our world is, we put ourselves at the center of our universe. There's no doubt about it. Our world is so me-focused. In, in America, just last year, $354 billion was spent on advertising. Trying to convince me and convince you that their products or their services will make my life better, will make me feel better, will make you look cooler, will make you feel cooler, that'll make me smell better. I know that's a lot of advertising required for that. But our world is pushing us products that are targeting what makes us better. Targeting, targeting a world that, what's in it for me? How can I have more, do more, see more, eat more, enjoy more? It's all about me. And the song we sang, we sing it's, it's all about you, Jesus. But the problem is, we're making it all about us. And instead of us making, instead of God making us to look like Him, we're trying to make God look like we do. And use God in the same way. And so, the problem is that we are taught in this, in this consumer-driven world that we are the centre of our universe. The, the immense amount of marketing money shows us what they're trying to target. That everything exists to serve me. Everything exists to serve me. From the appliances I have at home to the fast food places to the great customer service in, 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 in different shops and restaurants. Everything exists to serve me. Where everything and everyone on this planet is here for my benefit. That's the consumer world. And the problem is, that also includes God. We think God is there for my benefit. Jathani, in his book, he refers to a sociologist who spent years studying the religious life of teenagers. And the study showed that most teenagers viewed God as a combination of a divine butler or a cosmic therapist. That God exists to help them through their problems or to achieve what they want. This is teenagers, certainly in America, I wouldn't think that's that different to us in Australia. And the problem with this posture where God exists to serve me, where God exists to, to do my bidding, to, to give me what I want, to give me what I need, the problem is with that, it's, well, it's, there's a big problem with that because we've got it upside down. People with this posture are more consumed with their own happiness rather than following God or serving others. And uh, the study that was done went on to say that most teenagers believe this because it's what their parents believed. Their parents believed that, 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 that God was there to serve them. I could just go to God with my, with my, with my prayer needs. And, and don't get me, it's important. That's not wrong. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. This is the problem with this posture because it's not bad. But our focus can be very unhelpful. And so my next slide says that it's not all bad. So this life from God posture presumes that God exists to satisfy my needs, my wants and my desires. And that's not altogether wrong. The Bible tells us that every good thing comes from God. Everything comes from God. We depend on Him for everything and we can ask Him for what we need. Is that what the Bible says? Of course it does. Look at these verses. If this is Jesus says, give us the food, give us today the food we need. 
He goes on to say, if you keep on asking, you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. Philippians, Paul says, and this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. In Corinthians, he says, for God is the one who provides seed for the farmer, then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. And so we see here that God invites us to come to Him for our needs. Scriptures abound where God promises to bless us and provide for us. And I think that's, that's important for you to know. We are invited. We are this posture of coming to look to God for all that we need. That is a good posture. But if we focus too much on what we can get from God, we miss out on what He has to offer us, which is greater, which is Himself. We can also fail to consider the scriptures that warn us against consumerism and, uh, and selfish gain. There's uh, plenty of verses for that. Here's one. John says, Do not love this world nor the things it offers you, for when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasures, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. They are not from your Father, but are from this world. So we see, we've got this tension in Scripture where we want to go to God for everything, and I want to encourage you to do that. Because that's where we find life, and that's where we find hope, and that's where we find all that we need uh, on this side of eternity is found in God. But we've got to be careful. We're not doing it for ourselves. We're not doing it for selfish gain. We're not there. I'm just going to get more stuff, get another property, get, get, get a new car, get a, get a new thing, just because the marketing and consumerism says it's about me. What's going to make me happy? There's a tension in this space. Um, I remember growing up, I had two, I'm still, I suppose they're still friends. Um, one I know was we just caught up with in Melbourne, uh, but the other one I haven't seen for a little while. But I remember two different contrasted people. One on their fridge, and as we knew this person uh, in, in our early 20s or mid-20s, on their fridge they always had prayer requests. And just always, Lord, save my family. Heal my dad. And so, so on, their, on their fridge was this, oh, God, please do this. Save them. Heal them. And, uh, and in, in recent years, the, uh, uh, the, our friend, and I, I, I talked to her in Melbourne, and she was happy for me to, to, to tell some of her story. Um, but there, but her, 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 in the end, her, her marriage didn't work out. Um, but now we got to meet her new husband, which is so beautiful to, to see. Um, her children... One particularly, he um, went really off the rails, and uh, drugs, and depression, and suicidal thoughts, and a whole range of things. And I know on her fridge, she would have had written, God save my son. And she could mark, I did. I did. So that's one friend who, who, who went to God with, with this, these needs that were breaking her heart. Another friend of mine, had a, a, a prayer request. It was a picture of a Ferrari. And a photo of him standing next to one on the Gold Coast. And so uh, when I went to his house, this years ago now, uh, and he goes, yeah, that's what I'm believing God for. I'm believing God's going to give me a Ferrari. That's what I'm praying for. And uh, here's my expression of faith. And it's on the fridge. 
What a contrast. Now, I want to point out that both those people approach God with the same posture. They both went to God saying, I need something from you. I want something from you that only you can provide. Out of those two, I know one of them, one of those prayer requests God welcomes. And one of those prayer requests moves his heart. The other one, I'm not too sure what God thinks about that. Um, I might leave that one. So what happens then when my friend's marriage breaks down? Which it did. And they're now divorced. What do we do when our prayers aren't answered the way we hope or want? What do we do when we don't get that Ferrari that um, we've been looking for? Well, you know, it depends on people's posture. If they view God as a cosmic Santa Claus, or God as a vending machine, well, you, you, you've seen them when the vending machine doesn't dispense, what do you do? Bash it, thank you, Jane. Yeah. Punch it. You shake it. You go, come on, I put my dollar forty in and it's got to work, or you tap your card. You get very upset with the vending machine when it doesn't work and you and you kick it and you and you go again, you're never gonna go back to that vending machine again, true? You get disappointed. I find it astounding that sometimes we, the created ones, I find it astounding that we sometimes expect the Creator to do our bidding. And, and, and if He doesn't, and if He doesn't fix that or do that or give me that, what do we do? We get frustrated and we shake it and we kick it and we say, I've had enough. In our world, generally, what do we do with things that don't work? We throw them away. If something is no longer useful, we get rid of it. Council pick up the streets, show us every, all the time the stuff that is discarded, stuff that is not wanted, not needed. Every week we have good food that's thrown away. Goods and, 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 and equipment that we just get rid of because it's no longer useful to us. Sometimes we throw relationships away because that friend or that person doesn't give me what I want anymore. We throw it away. Some people even throw God away at that point. And we must be careful we don't view the church in a similar way. Where a church is purely a vending machine for religious goods and services. Where church is there to meet my needs, to provide the programs I want, to fit my lifestyle, to meet my social needs, to make me feel better. Because that's not the role of the church. And over the last 25 years, almost 25 years of full-time ministry, we've seen so many people walk away from the church because their expectation wasn't met. And the problem was, that was an unhealthy expectation. It was never, gonna, it was never meant to be met. Never met, meant to be met in that way. And people walk away. Religion and church become a means to an end to get what we want. And if it doesn't work out, well, it doesn't matter. We'll try something else. I've got another friend of mine that I just heard about just 
in, in Victoria caught up a lot of people from our previous world. And another friend of ours was ministering pastor, a youth pastor in, in regional Victoria. Uh, he walked away from God and now he is preaching for the New Age movement, giving up on God totally. Walked away from God totally. I asked his sister why. He goes, because the, what, what they had been taught to believe about God, you can get it all and it all work out, you've got the happy family, it was not the right image. And when things didn't work out the well, <coughs> as well as he planned, gave it up, went somewhere else. And I think that's really, really sad. So religion or church becomes a means to an end to get what we want. And if it doesn't work out, we'll go and try another religion, go and try another or in, in, in a marriage, try another, try another relationship, try another toaster, try whatever. Not in a marriage, you could try another toaster in your marriage. <laughs> you know, just, uh, just this week I, um, I saw the answer to... Um, uh, we, had, we had dinner with one of our friends, the, one of, one, the friend with the prayer request for her son on the fridge. And I read the testimony of his radical salvation. It moved me. She put it on Facebook and I talked to her about it on um, during the week. And a son that was so far from God came home again. A son that was suicidal and depressed and doing drugs and, and what, he came back. What a wonderful, what a wonderful answer to prayer. Finding freedom from addiction, drugs, and despair. Finding it in Jesus. My other friend I didn't catch up with in Melbourne. I still reckon he drives a beat-up Ford. And I still reckon the Ferrari picture is on his fridge. I want to close with one final story that, uh, that Jesus told. Most likely his most famous parable. This story is going to be a bridge from this message to next week's message. And... Um, here we see very clearly illustrated the, the difference between the life from God posture to the life for God posture. So the son goes to, you know, the back story is, the son goes to his dad and asks the dad, can I cash in all my trust funds? Before you die, can you, can you give me my inheritance? And then I want nothing to do with you. So his dad goes to the bank and, and transfers all half of the inheritance to his youngest son. And the son heads interstate probably to Queensland, not Melbourne, um, and blows all his money on sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And the son finds himself broke and homeless, working on a pig farm. And uh, it's at that point we pick up the story in Luke chapter 15, verse 17. And when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have enough food to spare, and here am I dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So I want you to note the motivation that this son goes back to his father. It wasn't, man, I've done the wrong thing. I've let my dad down. His motivation was, was, wasn't exactly a pure motive. He simply realised, you know what, things aren't going well here in the pig farm. And if I went back home to my dad, well, things are a lot better at home with your dad. But I'm going to go back home, not as a son, but as a servant. It seemed even at the lowest point, he still looked at God, God his father, 
as the one he could get something from. He could get some accommodation, he could get some food, he could get some, some safety, he could get something from him when he needed him. And the thing is, we can all be a little bit like that. And this is what the life from God posture is. Where we see God as someone who funds our plans, someone who gives us what we want, someone who answers our prayers and expect that God will sort our problems out. And the thing is, Jesus, in this story here, Jesus tells the story so we get a glimpse of the Father's heart. And so when Jesus was telling the story, the next bit would have totally surprised his listeners. He's having a dinner party. He would have been, the listeners would have said, that that's, would have shocked them, what Jesus said. Because the father was expected to treat the son as dead. The father was expected to treat the son had embarrassed him. The son was a failure. He should have he had every right to have his son uh, uh, punished, banished, and made an example of. The father had every right to reject the son and want nothing to do with the son. And so look in verse 20. So the son returns home to the father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion, who ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. This is astounding, what the father would do to a son that didn't deserve anything. And he throws a huge party to welcome his son home. In uh, verse 23, second half, the father says, We must celebrate with a feast, for this son of mine was dead, and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he was found. So the party began. You know, most people, including us, come to God in a crisis. We turn to God when things are going wrong. Even sometimes we do it with the wrong motive. And you know what? God still welcomes us. <coughs> with open arms. Even if you, even if you come into God with a, with a motive that is not not pure or, or I still need something from God, God doesn't say, oh, bad luck, I'm not going to give it to you. He has open arms and he welcomes each one of us. The son only wanted, the, the son had a, a posture that says, what can I get from the father? That was the son's posture. What can I get? And the father still welcomed him. But the father simply wanted the son to be with him. The son wanted to be with, the son wanted to get stuff from dad. The dad simply wanted the son to be with him. Now friends, you are God's greatest joy. He delights in you. He loves you so much. He longs for you to be with him. He longs for you to, to come to Him not just for what you can gain from Him, what you can get from Him. He longs to be with you just because He can be with you because He loves you and He enjoys your presence. He enjoys being with you. And I expect all of us at some stage have approached God with the same posture, what can I get from Him? Sometimes even we have looked at God and we see Him through a lens of a consumer where we can view God as you know, he's a divine vending machine to give me what I want and, and to do our desires. And we've all been there. I've been there at times. So we can view God as, as that vending machine. But when God views us, 
He sees a child created in his image who is dearly and wholly loved. Even though we messed up, even though we got it wrong, even though we feel we deserve to be rejected or banished or punished, the Father today welcomes us home. So can I just get our, our team up, please? The challenge I have for today is, where do you see yourself in some of these postures? Have you viewed God, and maybe you've viewed God, I certainly have, viewed God in such a way I can just get stuff from Him. Like a Santa Claus, I can write in my prayer list, I can stick it on my fridge, and I'm looking for Him to get, give me stuff. To, 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 to bless me. And there's a very subtle difference and when we come to God and look for all that He has for us, His, His rich promises toward us, the inheritance that we have, there's a big difference in us seeking God and, and asking Him in faith to receive all that He has for us. Big difference between that and purely going to Him just for what we want, for our own pleasures, for our own desires. So I want to encourage, challenge you, what is your posture before God? How do you view God? How do you approach God? It's very easy for us to fall into the trap of, of that getting stuff from Him. I encourage you, we need to be willing to change our posture. To change the way we position ourselves. The way we view God. The way we approach Him. And, and to repent is the word, but is to turn our thinking around. To understand that out of we can get all that, but God wants us. He just wants you. He just wants you. Father God, I just pray this morning. Lord, as I've attempted to share something of your heart for us this morning, Lord, I pray that we would see you as as the God of heaven, our Father, our friend, our Saviour, our beautiful Lord, our, our majestic King. And Lord, we, we do come before you and we have needs and we have prayers and we have worries and we have concerns. And Lord, we thank you that we can bring them before you. We can bring them to your throne of mercy and grace. And Lord, I, I thank you that you hear our cry. And Lord, I, I pray that you forgive us, Lord, for times when we, when we just view you as a machine. We, we live by the principles and we, and we do all this stuff in our own strength and Lord, and yet we miss you. Lord, help us to, to see you and to come to you, not, for, not because of what you have, but because of who you are. Lord, help us to bring our hearts and surrender to you. To, to repent and turn our thinking around. To change our view of you. And may, us this, may we all this morning see that the Father is waiting. He's waiting for you to come. He's waiting for you to come to him. Are we all standing?
You might be here this morning and you might be like the prodigal son and, you, and you've turned around and you're looking at God and you're saying, oh, I know I want to go back to God. I know I need, get, need to go back to God. And you might be here thinking, he's not going to want me. If that's you, let me tell you that the Father is waiting for you with open arms. No matter what you've done, no matter what you've said, no matter what you've, where you've been, no matter what you thought, the Father is waiting for you with open arms. And the call of him to you is come and be with me. My son was once lost, but he's now found. And he wants to be with us this morning. So we're going to just sing this worship. If you feel led to, you'd be welcome to come and, and, and just come to the altar and just worship him if you like. Certainly our prayer team is going to be available to, to, to pray for you. Particularly if you're that person that, that we spoke of earlier today, that you've experienced something in your life. God wants to speak to that. If, God had, if you haven't heard from God speak to your situation, please don't leave this building without hearing God speak to you. He's heard your cry. He's seen your pain. And he calls you to come to him with his arms open wide. We're going to worship just for a few moments and then we'll close in prayer.
Help us to have just a posture that it loves you and journeys with you and holds on to your word and your promises and to trust that you'll walk with us. You'll walk with us. And Jesus, I just pray you help us to guard our hearts this week. Help us to see you. Help us to come to you.